of introducing our next speaker, who honestly, every time, I mean, she's our executive, one of our executive pastors. Um, and when she brings the word, it says in the, in the Bible, in the word, right, the word is a double-edged sword, and that's what she brings. Um, and whenever she speaks, truly, like, God uses her to, like, separate soul from spirit, bone from marrow, all that stuff that's within the Bible. So I just, so let's uh, welcome up our senior pastor, Suki Longfield. I don't exactly know what to do with that intro, but thank you. I'm doing a new thing. I actually wrote my talk on a computer. I don't know if you guys know this, but I extremely dislike most forms of technology and do everything by pen and paper. And if you want to write me, I like it when you write in the handwritten notes, you know. Um, Anyway, so for those of you guys who don't know, I'm Suki Longfield. Uh, Ryan and I are the senior pastors here. Um, Ryan, Pastor Ryan, is currently on sabbatical, but I would love to have him just stand up so all of you who don't know what he looks like get to see his face. Oh, okay. All right, I'm going to pray. Jesus, I just thank you. Um, that you're here, and I praise you, Holy Spirit, ah, that you are here during worship, and I just pray for your strength, God. Thank you for the humbling, humbling, humbling fact that you come and that you use us. You use um, broken human beings to deliver um, the messages that you have, and we just pray that today that the people who are here don't hear from me, but they get to hear from you. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. So during worship, um, dude, that worship set was crazy. Um, I was just like totally feeling the presence of God, and um, I think there's something really special or something happens in my heart during this time of year when the students come back. Um, For those of you guys who are new students and are checking out a church, welcome. Um, This time of year is a really special time because I remember being 18, coming to Cal, setting foot here, and, um, and at that time not knowing Jesus, and walking into my dorms and going um, and having lunch or dinner or something in the dorm um, cafeteria and someone inviting me to a Bible study um, with the Inter- InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. And I remember going and um, that kind of being one of the first moments of meeting and experiencing who God was. Little did I know um, how transformative uh, that moment and those moments of meeting Jesus during my first year at Cal would be. I remember when I walked onto this campus, honestly, I hated it. I mean, for those of you guys who like it, that's awesome for you. 
right? And for those of you who didn't go here, that's awesome for you too. Um, <laughs> you might have had a better time than I had. Um, but for those of you guys who did, um, you may or may not remember how that felt. I, live, I come from uh, San Jose, which is about an hour from here. And so home was not that far away, which is kind of the problem. Home was just close enough that I could go home every weekend, but not close enough that I could actually be home every day. And I remember, um, for the better part of that first year, I was really, really homesick. And I just, I missed home so, so much. And about um, two months, one or two months into my college experience, I was invited to uh, a Christian event of some sort by a person that at the time I didn't know, it was a Billy Graham crusade. And he's this, huge, he's this really famous man who's very elderly now, but um, back then he was still doing um, these, these events. And so I went, and I remember having a really profound experience with, at that time, um, I didn't know that it was the Holy Spirit, but it totally, totally changed my life, and I started to um, really explore the Christian faith. But as God was intercepting my life, I was also resisting it. And that's also a very normal and real part of what this journey with him can sometimes feel like. And I remember constantly fighting the urge to really be present here. I kept thinking back about, oh, you know, I miss my mom, I miss my friends, I miss going home all the time. Um, and I feel like the first principle when I was thinking about today that I wanted to highlight was found in Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 8. And um, I felt like this isn't even just for those people who are students, but it's something even that God's speaking to me right now, but I remember, and I wish I would have known at that point in time. It says, there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. So whether you're a new student now, kind of coming in, or if you're just wherever you are, my first challenge is to be present in the season that you're in right now. I think our culture and our time has us reflecting nostalgically upon the past or constantly planning for what's to come. I think a lot of times, you know, especially if you're a visionary or a planning type person, you have, you know, 
this is what I'm aiming for. This is what I want to accomplish in life. And for me, you know, recently we've been moving and doing all these things, and it's really tempting to be like, man, once I get to that place or once I get that promotion or once I get to finish that midterm or that thing, that next thing, if I get that job or if things with my parents become really good or whatever it is, you're always like, man, once that thing happens, I'm going to be okay. And I really feel like there is um, a challenge from the Lord to really embrace the moment that you're in when you're in it. Um, There's nothing like that moment when you're in college for the very first time, you're I don't want to say free from your parents. I think that's a very negative way to say it. But you're, you're making decisions on your own without someone telling you exactly how to think all the time for the first time. Um, and some of you guys get to have parents who have allowed you to do that um, before you leave home. But not everyone does. And I feel like there's something really special. Instead of looking backwards... Let's look at now. What do you get to do? You are now the owner of your life. You get to decide what is true about your today. Do you want your life to be about you? Do you want your life to be about Jesus? Do you want your life to be about work? Do you want your life to be about school? What do you want your life to be about? What do you want your next four years, your story to be about? This is also true if you're a recent grad. This is also true if you are trying to figure out what is true about work for you. But there is no time like the present. I think people in the world have kind of ca- caught on to this. The word for that is like called mindfulness nowadays, right? The new age, whatever people out there like to talk about, being mindful, right? But I think it's really ultimately a God concept. Who is our God? If you look at um, Exodus 3, Right? It talks about Moses coming to God and being like, well, who do I tell them that you are? And he says, my name is the great I am. Our God is, just is. He's not a doer. He's not, the in, he exists past, present, future, but he just is. And I feel like one of the great challenges right now, even that I'm learning, is how to just be. And I know that sounds really like a funny word, but it really is like, how do you actually be fully present in the moment that you're in, knowing that God is there and with you, not thinking about tomorrow, not thinking about two hours from now, not thinking about what the person in front of you is thinking, but actually just living in the moment and existing and enjoying what that is. I feel like that is a gift, and that is who God is. God is not worried or anxious about all these things. Anxiety comes usually because we are not living in the current moment that we are in. And so if one of the things that I've learned over the last, I don't even know how long, but 
it's a lesson God's teaching me right now, but it's also a lesson I wish I would have known as I was in college because I think when you're in college, you're thinking, what is my major? And then when it, once I get my major, I'm thinking about what job I'm going to get. And then I'm thinking about the internship that I'm going to have. And then I'm thinking about what I'm going to do once I leave. And then I'm thinking about all these things. And you're setting yourself up for, you know, and then I've got to get interviews. And there's always a next thing. And what my challenge for those of you who are in college, going into college, or even just finished college, is think about right now. What is God doing in your life, and what is the season that you're in today? There is a purpose for every moment that exists as it is existing. Even if you're preparing, let's say, for marriage or for Jesus to come back. But there is still a reality of now and here. And we can't just live for, or not, we can't just live in the thought of something that will come. We're going to one day become old and just feel like, man, what happened? How did those years go by? The second principle that I kind of wanted to share, and I feel like this is kind of one of the core principles um, here at the Ark, is know who it is that makes all of these things happen. Right, like I talked about the idea of being present. But, you know, the world can talk about being present. But what does that actually really mean? For those of us who know Jesus, that means being tuned in and dialed in to the idea that we do not exist here by ourselves for ourselves, but rather, He, there is a creator. There is a truth to the fact that God exists and that He made us. And that as we are connected to Him, all life flows. It says, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. And that we love because we were first loved. 1 John 4.19 is one of the bedrock foundational principles of our church. Recently, I realized I still needed to learn this idea. It feels so, so basic. We can hear it so often, but I think we don't always recognize that we are part of the reason why we strive is because we long for recognition from somebody. Somebody to tell us, job well done. You're doing what you should. You're good at this. I believe in you. You're successful. But when we understand that from the very beginning, God has declared that over us. That our, does, our need for that comes from the fact that we live on the other side of the fall. When Jesus, when God himself breathed life into humanity, he said, it is good. You are good. I like the way I made you a lot. In fact, I like it so much I can rest now. I'm going to wait, and then I'm going to go do the next thing. So much of how hard we're working and striving every single day is because there is this little voice inside that says, no, you still need to show and prove that that's true to somebody, your boss, your friend, your mom, your dad, your friends, anybody. You're doing well. Well, 
And, it's so, and sometimes the fear maybe of them saying, man, maybe you're not doing that well, drives. And that fear creates such a profound amount of stress and anxiety. And that's what the devil does. He comes and he says, because you're this gender, you are this type of race, you are this type of skill and ability, you are X, Y, Z. This is why you aren't good enough. This is why you need to work harder to show everyone this is why you're good enough. And everything in us spends our whole entire life trying to disprove something that we already have, that Jesus died and bought for us on the cross. And we don't, we forget, we may get it for one moment, but there is a truth that we need to stay plugged into this truth infinitely and constantly. That this reality of the fact that we are loved, we are accepted, he likes us, can only come through being truly plugged into that truth and meditating on it day and night and remembering by being in unity and oneness with God. That is what intimacy is. When we talk about having a quiet time or spending time with Jesus, it's not clock in your time and read your Bible. It's clock in your time so that you remember the eyes, the gaze of the one who made you and said when he made you, you are good. It's not wishful thinking. It is what happened on day three of creation and that Jesus has been trying to buy back and remind us every single day. It is what we hope happens when we are worshiping God and you are seeing him and gazing at his face and you can see reflected back is him saying, you don't need to work as hard as you are. It's already yours. So all of your quiet times and prayer times Gaze upon his face. Read the words that remind you that he is good. That he is not like anything else in this world demanding and wanting something else and something more from you. It is the one place you can find solace, rest, and acceptance fully. And if there's a voice or anything that tells you you shouldn't go to that place, that place isn't great, or that the person in that place isn't worth it. They are lies. Because that is where our lifeline comes from. The next principle, and this is actually, you know, I think it's really perfect for um, those of us who, or those of you, I guess I'm not entering college today. Um, <laughs> oh, thank you. Joy said I look like it. I'm like, I'm going to take that. <laughs> um, is know who he has made you to be and be that. So let's open our Bibles or just read it up here in 1 Corinthians 12, 14 to 26. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot says, because I am not a hand, I am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. And if the ear says, because I'm not an eye, I'm not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any less a part of the body. 
If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body, just as he desired. If they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, or again to the head to the, again, the, head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we deem less honorable, on those we bestow more abundant honor, and our less presentable members become much more presentable, whereas our more presentable members have no need of it. But God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to the member which lacked, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. This world and this particular region in the Bay Area, it has its own set of values, things and types of skills that they say are important. I would venture to say for many people, if you are working in the Bay Area, you would have heard some message along the lines of extroversion is very valued. Being on time, punctual is very valued, right? Being extremely organized is very valued. Working in tech pays a lot, right? Being a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer, that's what pays big bucks. Working in artificial intelligence, whatever. There's a certain line of slew of thinking of this is what is valued here in this area. And the people who work in those fields are the people who are going to be paid a lot. And that's because the world has a scale of value. And bestowing upon people, this is what is important. But I'm here to tell you, if you're a new student or even not a new grad or still trying to figure out what you're going to do with your life, it is more important to figure out what part of the body you are. There is no joy in trying, if you are a hand, to be a foot. You will find yourself frustrated and mad. And then when we're mad that everyone's telling us to be a hand, if you will, we're like, man, screw all the people who are hands and keep telling me to be a hand. I can't be a good hand. And we become resentful. When truly the Lord says it so many times, I've actually made every single person very, very, very differently. Some people are creative. Some people love to spend time with somebody and for the life of them will not pry themselves away if they're in an important conversation to be on time for your meeting. There are some people who are really organized and I for the life of me don't understand Excel even now. That isn't me, right? And I feel like, and then I have Ryan. So, <laughs> my point is I think in the church in the world in school we are told every single day this is who you should be this is what people like this is what is valued this is what will make money 
that's not what Jesus is saying. When he made us, when God made us, he said, this person's going to exist in the world, on the globe, somewhere. In some places, the things that we value here don't matter at all. There are places where people sit around and talk for hours and hours and hours and they don't have another place to go. There are places in the world where people don't schedule meetings to hang out. There are places in the world where people actually, this, was, this has been my, my thing with Ryan when we watch like HGTV or whatever, we're like, man, there are people who just make doors. And like, that's what they do every single day. They make doors, right? Like every single part in any building, there are people where that is their whole livelihood and that's what they do. I don't think about the people who make doors a whole lot, but that is really like somebody loves doors right? No, seriously. It is an art form for those people. It is not a bad thing. But in our society here, where's the value and the uplifting of that person? So if any of us are different from what this specific mold is saying, I want us to be okay with that. And I want to celebrate that. In, in Christianity, there is a thing where the people you see are the people everyone wants to be like. That's not the way it is for God. God's like, man, I care about each and every part. And in fact, the people that you guys see a lot, I'm not going to talk about those people. I'm going to talk about the people you don't see a lot. There's a whole idea, I think, that we can be mad because we were like, man, God, I want to be like that person who gets all the glory and all the recognition. Some of us are like that piece of pottery where we're like, man, we want to be the one on the mantle. I resent the fact that I'm the one who's made for everyday use. And in Romans 9, it's a really different, difficult passage. I was going to read it, but I think it brings up more issues than I want to talk about today. Um, but I do want to say, like, Depending upon why, what God put in us, we have no right to resent that. When we see him at the end of our life, what he's going to ask us are, what did you do with my son Jesus, with the revelation that I gave you? Did you love? And were you faithful with how I made you and the gifts and talents I gave you? Those things... He's not going to ask you, were those people fair to you? He's not going to ask you, what was everyone else doing? He's going to ask you, what did you do with what, with Jesus, with what revelation you had of Christ? He's going to ask you, did you love? And he's going to be like, what did you do with the gifts and talents I gave you? But I thought that I was supposed to no, I made you a really, really great data entry person, for instance. What did you do with that? Did you build the, the body with that? Or did you think that wasn't good enough? Man, your taste buds are amazing. What did you do with that? Your hands are amazing. They build phenomenal things. What did you do with that? Your mind, 
is so intricate and complex. What did you do with that? It's not just our words. It's not just intellect. We live in an area in the world that is obsessed with intellect and accomplishment of a very specific type, which is good. And again, I applaud those who are going to be successful in that realm. We need people who do well in that. But not everybody is made that way. And when we walk into college or out of college and we're trying to figure out what did God do, we have to be true and honest. And the only standard and measurement that's going to matter is how did my maker make me and was I faithful with that? This isn't about self-actualization. It's about being faithful. I'm, I'm like, should I go here? Okay, let's just go here. All right. So, kind of like, mm. <laughs> sorry. So there's the idea of truth. I think that the world tells us that there isn't a truth, right? There is truth. I'm going to state that. If you don't know, now you know that that's what we believe. And that that's what God says, that there is an actual truth. There is actually a guy that made human beings, okay? And when he made us, he had a purpose in mind. And when we live in accordance to truth, and the more truth we understand and becomes a part of us, actually the more free we're going to get. I believe that most of our problems in our world today is because people are living in consistent dissonance. And we as a humanity are not created to live in dissonance. And in order to deal with that dissonance, a lot of justifications have to happen in order to explain away the fact that we're living dissonant lives with truth. The word says that the truth will set us free. And so if we understand who God is, the more we understand his actual character, his actual nature, what he is like, what he cares about, what his face is, what is the word of God, the Bible itself saying to us, that is the only way that we're going to understand why am I here? Who am I? And what do I do while I'm here? This is so important and so that's why like this whole comparing thing it it's it's gonna it doesn't work because it's actually based on an idea of abs of relativism right like or just comparing right and i really feel like part of a lot of the suffering that exists in this world is trying to reconcile the dissonance that exists in our hearts And so, in closing, 
One, we need to live in the truth of the season and the time that we are in existence of. We can't live in the past. We can't live in the future. There is a truth about today. Today, the Bible says, is really the only thing we should be worried about. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's got enough worries of its own. And this isn't like about finances. This is about our heart posture. We don't need to store away for another day, right? Like we need to exist and live out the most of what happens now because now is our reality. That is truth. Two, we need to know who God is because he is truth and he is the one that defines our truth. We do not define, we do not ask him to come along with our mission in life. We don't come and go, hey, help me with these things because they, ma- they, I mean, yes, he cares about the fact that they matter to me, but it's really, what did he put in you? Spend our time uncovering that. It's based first on him. And then third, who we are is based, is already there. So I think if we can, I think the best way to spend our days is to, one of the activities that I actually did with Ryan when we were um, resting and hanging out in China was, I made a list of everything I love. Everything that brings me joy. And I really want us all, I think it's a great exercise. Make a list to sit there. Man, what brings me joy? What do I love to do? I, I was just like, I wrote, I love beauty. I love things that are cute. I love things that are innocent. I know it sounds funny, but it actually, don't, that's the thing, don't look down upon any of the things that we love, right? I love X, Y, Z, you know, just write them all down. Ask the Lord to enlighten those things. And then ask yourself next, what am I actually good at? Right, like it's great to like love things, but if you're not actually good at those things, it's still not really super helpful, right? Yet, because maybe you need to develop the skill. But then, then look at what are actually all the things that you're good at. If you're actually good at them, somebody will probably have told you where you're good at them. Don't do the thing that you think you're good at, but everyone thinks you're bad at. It's probably not in line with your call or your destiny or how God made you. Um, It might just be a hobby. That's okay. But really, figure out who God's made you to be. Not according to anyone else's dictates. So um, I'd love to, I think that concludes what I had to say today. So yeah, Nancy, did you want to come? Thank you, everyone. So good. So good. Um, so we, uh, after the sermon, we always have a time of response. Um, we really exhort and invite and encourage people to respond to the word, like let the word uh, change and transform us. Um, I just want to end with kind of a, I'm going to read something from the word. And then uh, we're going to have people up here on the side as well, um, prayer ministers, if you need prayer for anything, whether it's a response to the, today's word or something else that God has put in your heart, uh, feel free to come up here to to get some prayer. Uh, and also, like, the front, the altar is also open if you just want to spend time with God and, and respond and stuff. Um, and the worship team, if you guys could come up uh, to play that worship music in the background. Um, I just want to thank Pastor Suki for the word. Um, 
wherever, I don't know how many people here are new to the ARC or just searching for like a church and stuff, but wherever you guys end up, I just want to encourage you guys to find a place that preaches the word like Suki just did. <laughs> preaches the word, preaches the truth. Um, and it is true, the truth will set you free. Um, I'm not going to read the entire theme, but if you get a chance to read Proverbs 3, uh, it's just such a good exhortation about the need to seek and pursue wisdom more so than gold and riches and everything in life. And with wisdom and with truth, um, you're set. <laughs> um, and I feel like that's today what, what Suki released was wisdom and truth. Um, yeah, and so I'll just pray into that and then open up the altar. Um, God, I pray that today's word, thank you, Lord God, that your word is transformative, that it's a living and active word. It's not dead. It's not just contextual for history, but it is, it is active and is living. It is sharper than a double-edged sword. And I thank you that your word, if we allow it to, uh, will transform us, God. Um, so, Lord, today I thank you for the wisdom that was released through Pastor Suki. And I pray that, God, we would allow you and your Holy Spirit, uh, yeah, to shape us, Lord, and to reveal to us who you made us to be, God. Lord, um, Lord, there's someone says, I can't remember, but like we bring, like when we are our most true selves, we bring God the greatest glory. Someone said that, maybe John Piper, I'm not sure. Um, yes, God is most glorified when we're most satisfied in him, yes. And Lord, I pray that today, um, that we wouldn't be anything or anyone else except who you desire, who you made us to be. Um, and so yeah, Lord, you, I pray that the word would transform and change us into, be, into being who you made us to be, Lord, because we want to give you glory. Amen. <laughs>